If you're wondering what I'm doing, I'm obeying the Lord. He told me to declare to every single person in this place tonight, including you, praise team. Let hope arise. Matter of fact, if we're on live streaming, pull them cameras in here for a moment. I'm going to speak to those people. Receive you the word of the Lord. Let hope arise. Let hope arise in your heart tonight. Romans 15, 13, Paul says, May the God of hope fill you with all the joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Romans 15, 13 is telling us, Our God is a God of hope. He's our very present help in times of trouble. God will never leave us. God will never forsake us to face the struggles of life alone. He is with us in both the good times and the bad times. He is the God who will bring you through. He will make a way when there seems to be no way. And the psalmist says in 62, For my hope is from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. Therefore shall I not be shaken. That's powerful stuff. Give our powerful God a great band of praise. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You may be seated. For many of us, our lives are being turned upside down, it seems. People are suffering. There are so many unprecedented trials people are facing in their lives. While fear has gripped the hearts of our nation, and if ever there was ever one thing our nation needs, it's hope. A better way to say that is our nation needs Jesus because he's the hope of our nation. But let me say, he's even better than that. He's even bigger than that because he's even, he is the hope of the world. The world needs Jesus. He is the light of the world in these dark times. In times like these, we must put our hope in Jesus and not in man. No matter what we've been through or no matter what we're going to go through, I just want to say that hope is still found here at the Palace of Praise because his presence is still with us. I want to talk to you tonight about your hope. First of all, I guess I have to ask you if anyone here still has hope. In spite of the chaos in the world, of all the chaos going on in your life, if so, would you make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye people? Would you clap your hands and shout with a voice of triumph? <laughs> Hallelujah. And I guess I must first address what hope is so we all understand what I'm talking about. Webster says hope is, feeling, is a feeling of expectation and a desire for a certain thing to happen. In the Bible, hope is the confident expectation what God has promised, and it's his strength and his faithfulness to his promises. It's believing if he said it, it'll come to pass. And for a believer, hope is based upon trusting the Lord. He is our hope. Hope is something you can have through Christ, and it's also something you can lose due to the waiting, the longevity of your unpleasant circumstances, the uncertain times we're facing. Many, ha many have, but you cannot lose your hope. Proverbs 13, 12, Solomon said, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. No one likes waiting. It feels good to get what we want. But when our expectations are delayed for a long time, we can experience disappointment, disillusionment, 
and a loss of hope. In some cases, prolonged waiting for what we desire can become such an affliction to us that it differs little from a lingering sickness. This scenario is exact meaning of Solomon's words, hope deferred makes the heart sick. The term deferred in the passage means to put off or drag out, as in a long, drawn-out process. Hope deferred can come from many things, such as a prayer of salvation for a loved one that continues unanswered year after year, an agonizing job search filled with endless interviews and rejections, long-term battles with a disease or a heartbreaking string of tragedies, as we eagerly hope for something important, it keeps being postponed. The longing we feel can make our hearts sick. And the word heart in the passage embodies not only mental or emotional core, but the whole inward person. If something makes the heart sick, it causes despair and affliction. One translation renders the verse like this. When hope is crushed, the heart is crushed. Hope deferred can lead to depression, anxiety, and actual physical sickness. When we wait for a good thing for so long that desire and expectation turns into hopelessness, we can even become spiritually dried up. But the second part of Proverbs 13, 12 gives the antithesis of hope deferred. It says, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. And the tree of life represents the renewal of life. When our hopes and our desires are fulfilled, we're refreshed. When our prayers are answered, we are encouraged. And when we attain the good thing that we desire, we undergo a reviving of the, of the soul. But waiting is an opportunity to trust God and allow him to work in our hearts and strengthen our character. We ought to see these long stretches of waiting as opportunities to turn to God and depend upon him in our times of weaknesses. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. When hope deferred makes your heart sick, look to Jesus Christ for a hope that will not fail you. Now, I want to go to a text in the book of Acts to speak to the possibilities of hope, the value of having it, and the great loss of losing it. To show it's your choice. It's your hope is in Christ that carries you through the toughest of times. It's believing his promises will come true. And we're going to visit a time in the Apostle Paul's life on one of his many journeys. How many know Paul had several journeys? This one being the result of his former journeys that now lead him into imprisonment and many trials to fall. We'll use this passage to find out how to have hope when things appear to be hopeless and the importance of hanging on to hope in the toughest of times. Have any of you ever survived anything that at one point seemed hopeless to you? Wasn't sure you was going to make it, but you did? You know, it was only by the grace of God that you did. Something unpleasant appeared to never going to be over. It never appeared it was going to come through. It never appeared it was going to let up. It never going to change. Have you ever given up hope just when you decided to give up and throw in the towel? Hope showed up and didn't give up on you. It pulled you back up, prompting you to try again, to get back in the game, to keep going forward onto your journey, to your purpose that God has given you. See, when Lazarus died and after being dead for four days, Hope showed up when everybody else had given up and said, Lazarus, come forth. And it lifted him back up and prompted him to get back in the game to go forward and fulfill his purpose. I'm here to tell you if, you, if you put your hope in Christ and not in men, he will never fail you. And I'm here to tell you that no matter what comes your way, hell or high water, he's got you. He's for you. And he'll come through for you. Psalms 118.8, Solomon says, better to trust in the Lord than put confidence in a man. Lord, I'm just telling you, 
I feel like something special is going to happen for someone tonight. And I've been sent as a messenger to tell someone God said, don't give up yet. Hope is on the way. The promises he gave you are still true. And to tell another, you gave up too soon. Yes, it got hard. Yes, it was a tough season, but you didn't understand it had purpose. And to tell another, you got to find hope if you're ever going to survive what you're going through and tell you, you can find hope because hope is here in this place tonight. Now, the book of Acts is a powerful book. And I'm going to begin for a moment in Acts 13. It's concerning Paul. It starts out by reading. Now, in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers. And then it goes on to list all of them. And among the list were Barnabas and Paul. And verse 2 says, As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul, which is Paul, for the work to which I have called them. So they laid hands on them and sent them away. This being Paul's first missionary journey. And I'm going to briefly mention a few, a few things, though, that are significant things Paul experienced on his journeys. In chapter 13, on the island of Paphos, through Paul, God struck a sorcerer blind who had been guilty of trying to lead people away from the faith. Then they went to Antioch and preached and was expelled from that region. Then in chapter 14, they went to Iconium, preached in the synagogue, and a great multitude of Jews and Greeks were converted, making many of the Jews and Gentiles wanting to stone them. So then they had to flee to Lystra, where Paul laid hands on a crippled man who was healed. They were stirring up a hornet's nest there. Then the Jews from Antioch and Iconium went and stoned Paul, dragged him out of their city, supposing him to be dead. But then in chapter 15, Paul and Barnabas part ways over a dispute. Then in chapter 16, Paul and Silas were cast into prison for casting a demon out of a slave girl and for their teachings. They were beaten severely before being in prison. In prison, though, God sends an earthquake freeing him from prison, but not only before saving the household of a jailer. Then in chapter 17, Paul goes to Thessalonica, once again infuriating the Jews to the point they went looking for them. Paul had to flee. The Jews chased him from there. Then Paul fled to Athens preaching the resurrection. Then in chapter 18, he goes to Corinth. He worked as a tent maker, and the Jews rose up against him, so he went to Ephesus to preach to the Jews. Then in chapter 21, Paul goes to Jerusalem, and he's arrested and beaten. Then in chapter 23, the Jews conspire to kill Paul, and Paul is protected. I think you see, and I wanted you to see in Paul's journey, it was one trial after another. So I could say to you, finding out strange the fiery trial you're going through as though some strange thing has happened to you. If serving God for Paul was full of trials, why would it not be for you too? Then in chapter 27, after being arrested in Jerusalem for preaching the gospel, Paul is sent to Rome to appeal to Caesar, which would lead to Paul getting to preach in Rome as God promised him he would. It's amazing sometimes the adversity that it takes to get us where God wants us to go. And upon boarding the ship, Paul warns them it's too dangerous to sail because of the weather, guys. We should not go. But they do it anyway. And as Paul has warned them, they become caught in a hurricane. The force of the storm was literally destroying the ship, leading them to run aground. While the ship fell apart, they had to jump off into the water to survive, leading Paul to become shipwrecked on an unknown island with 276 people who also survived on an island called Malta. Here was Paul, who was supposed to go to Rome as God had promised him, but now here he is shipwrecked on Malta. Can anything else go wrong in Paul's life? 
Have you ever been there? Sometimes we think we got it so bad only to find out somebody else has got it a little worse than we even have it. Is all hope going? I mean, God gave him a promise. He was to go to Rome. Let's see. Upon them jumping off the ship into the water, swimming to the unknown shore, when they came to the shore, the Bible says the islanders were kind to them. They showed all 276 of them unusual kindness. They immediately made them a fire and made them feel welcome. It says because of the rain that was falling and the cold they were having to endure. Remember, it's a bad storm. In Acts 28, verse 3, it says Paul, wanting to do his part to help, decides to help with the fire. He gathers a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire. Then it says a viper snake, a very, very poisonous snake, because of the heat of the fire, it comes out of the fire, and it fastened on his hand. Apparently, it was from the brushwood Paul had gathered together. And some say the snake was what was known as a leopard snake because of how it fastens to you. It doesn't, doesn't bite you and let go. As it fastens to you, its jaws keep pumping venom into you. Let's, let's pause for just a moment, though. And let me go back and quickly recap all Paul's been through just so far. He's in prison for preaching the gospel. He was beaten time and time again. He ran out of city after city. The Jews conspired to kill him. He was arrested in Jerusalem, hated by many of the Jews. He was shipwrecked as a result of them not listening to him, resulting in him now being on an island called Malta, stuck in the rain and the cold and an place with unknown people when he should be in Rome. And just when he thinks, at least I'm in a safe place, he gets struck by a snake that could kill him. Have you been in seasons of your life like this? Just when you thought the fight, the struggle was over and you can breathe again, here comes something else. I know my life has been on that list before. I've been there where it's been one thing after another causing you to constantly ask what's next, even find yourself at times bracing for it, causing you to reside to say, I give up. What's the use? I'm not never going to get there. I'm not ever going to make it. It's not never going to stop. All hope for things ever changing are gone, and you become hopeless. Your hope tank becomes empty, and you can't afford to fill it back up, and it hurts too much to keep losing hope. Oh, listen to me now. I'm fixing to say some things that need to be said about these seasons in our lives. I call them seasons because they are what they are. They don't last. God has promised if we will not grow weary in well-doing for in due season, we will reap if we faint not. These seasons can seem to be long, but they do change in time. If all this stuff can happen to a man like Paul, why do we think that we would be exempt and should be? Hey, if you're going to serve God, you got to count your cost. It's no secret there will be a cost. Jesus said if it cost us. So let's hear the rest of the story to see if we can learn anything about being in Malta. We've all been to Malta. Just watch and see. Here is Paul simply trying to help them build a fire, and this viper snake pops out of the fire, and it bites him. Not only bites him, but fastens himself to him. That's what the enemy does. He wants to fasten himself to you. That's the kind of snake he is. He wants to poison your life and attempt to destroy you. He's come to kill, steal, and destroy you. But here's Paul on an island called Malta, a place he's never planned to even go before. And the Bible says the snake fastens himself to his hand. He doesn't just bite him and let go. No, he fastens himself to his hand. He's out to kill him. While all these people are standing around watching this happen, can I tell you, every time you're going through something People are standing around watching you go through what you go through. Why? To see your response. 
to see if you're going to make it, man or woman of God, to see if it's going to take you out. Are you going to fall apart? Are you going to quit? Are you going to just give up? Are you going to depart from the faith? You just got to be careful with the people you're around. Because when you're going through something, there are always those people always assign a reason to why you're going through what you're going through. They reason that is because of what you did or didn't do, this thing's happening to you. Am I right? They might not say it to you, but you know they think it. Well, if I was her husband, I would let her go too. What kind of sin has he got in his life? What did she do wrong this time? I mean, for him to have that much trouble, he needs to get right with God. She better find herself an altar and repent. They always think the worst. Like they did about the crippled boy in John 9, 2. Whose sin? His mother or his father? It still happens today. I've seen him at the altar the last three weeks in a row. Man, his life's messed up. What is he struggling with? What's he involved with that he shouldn't be? I bet it is. I bet she. People always having negative assumptions. They think bad things are happening to you because of what you did. If that's you, your Bible reading assignment this week is to read the book of Job and to repent. These islanders are watching this man named Paul, who they don't even know his name yet, who came walking out of the sea, claiming to be a preacher, with a snake now fastened to his hand. And they are now wondering, if he be a man of God, then where is God's protection? That should be on his life. Has the devil attacked any of you lately asking you the same thing? Where's your God at now? Trying to convince you if you really were a Christian, then why are you going through what you're going through? If you really had a loving God, shouldn't he or protected you from what you're going through? Come on, be honest. When these people seen Paul, this man of God, standing there with a snake, a poisonous one, at that attached to his hand, they begin to draw conclusions that he must have done something wrong. Why did I say that? Look what they begin to say in verse 4. When the natives saw the creature, the snake hanging from his hand, they said to one another, no doubt this man's a murderer who escaped from the sea and justice will not allow him to live. In other words, he's a murderer getting what he deserves. That's why that snake's going to kill him. In their minds, this is nothing but justice taking place in Paul's life. Paul, knowing they were looking, watched him how he, how he respond. Verse 5 says, he shook off the snake and suffered no harm. Much to everyone's surprise. They've never seen anyone do this. Look at Paul's response. It's important to see. He didn't say a word. He didn't try to convince them God was with him. He didn't feel sorry for himself. He didn't go on Facebook and write a response to their actions against him. He didn't attack them. No, watch what he did. It's what you've got to learn to do, too. When you make it through the storm and all hell's coming against you again and again, when everybody's talking about you, when it looks like you're done, when it looks like there's no way you're going to survive this one, you got to do what Paul did. You got to shake it off. Just shake it off. I said, you got to shake it off. Tell someone, shake it off. Shake it off right now. Why skeptics are standing around watching you, dissecting your response, while religious folks are doubting you. Because if God be for you, who can be against you? You don't need the approval of the island committee to prove that God is with you. What Paul knew that they didn't know was Paul had a promise from God that he was going to Rome. 
So he knew he couldn't, say couldn't, die on that island. He may not know how. He may not know when. But he knew the God that brought him this far that had never failed him yet was going to make a way when there seemed to be no way. His hope was in God who promised to take him all the way. He looked at this moment was just another opportunity for him to prove that God was on his side. Regardless of what people think, Paul already knew he would never leave him or forsake him. Paul already knew he was made more than a conqueror. Paul already knew no weapon formed against him shall prosper. Paul already knew greater is he that is in him than he is in the world. Paul already knew, and these signs shall follow them that believe in my name's sake. They shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Paul already knew that if God said it, it was done. He already knew all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Paul knew he had a promise and a purpose for going to Rome. And if it had not been for the Lord on his side, he never would have made it this far. He knew that many are the afflictions of the righteous, but my God shall deliver me from them all. He knew that if God brought me through everything I just told you all ago, all those things, he knew God could bring him through this thing. So if I'm going to Rome, I can't die in Malta. Hallelujah. So when the snake fell off in the fire and he didn't die, it was no surprise to him because he knew it had to happen. Say it. It had to happen. There are things in your life You've been through that you got to realize it had to happen. You had to go through it. You had to hold on. You had to be a part of. You had to go through it because you have a promise. If God said you will see it, you will. If God said you'll make it, you will. If God said he will save him, he will. If God says he will heal her, he will. Our God is a God who cannot lie. If he says he's coming back, and he did, so he will. If he said in the last days, perilous times will come, and he did, so they will. If he said that same power that rose Jesus from the dead will raise you from the dead, and he said it, so it will. And if he said in the latter days will be greater than the former, and he did, so they will be. Come on, we got to stand on what the Word of God says. And you won't make it in these last days if we don't. Before every promise God makes, there is this little powerful two-letter word, if. It makes his promises conditional. If my people which are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I promise I will hear from heaven, forgive their sins, and heal their land. If is one of the most important words in the Bible used over 100 times because it speaks directly to our, resp our responsibility to God. If you have faith, as the grain of a mustard seed, you say unto this mountain, move ye hence there yonder, and shall move, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. God will do his part if we'll do our part. If Paul, any part, wanted to quit, he could have. But God didn't quit on you. He never sees you as hopeless. But how do you see him, though? It's what's important. For everybody has been wondering why, why am I going through this? You've been so focused on the why so much. Yet while you're spending your time seeking a reason, God is trying to give you a revelation. And you're missing it. For those of us who knew Thelma McWilliams, a prayer warrior, she taught me a lot by me watching how she went through so many things. She, like Paul, just shook them off. She didn't murmur. She didn't complain. She didn't focus always on the why. 
She, she shared with me that she learned something about God with every trial she went through. And I'll never forget this revelation she shared with me. She was going to the hospital for surgery one time. And she said to me, I don't know what God's up to for me to be going to the hospital for this surgery, but I'll know when I get there. She believed in everything she went through was for a purpose. And it was. When she went for her surgery, she led the lady in the bed beside her to the Lord. She always believed that God had a purpose tied to everything she went through. She was always looking for it, more than looking for why. Knowing why doesn't always help. If you hurt your arm and extremely hurtful, you want to know why, understand. So you go to the doctor and get you an x-ray. And you say, well, here's the reason why your arm's hurting and you broke it. So now you know why. But let me ask you something. Just because you know why, does it quit hurting? No. You still got to go through it no matter how much it hurts. Believing it will get better in due time. God doesn't want you to get a, just don't, God don't just want you to get a revelation. He wants everybody watching you to get a revelation from how you go through what you go through. When you're going through the tough stuff. It's an opportunity to express your faith in a Christ-like manner like never before. It's an opportunity to prove you trust him. Just like a man we know very well right now, his name is Jeff Slusher. He's taken every opportunity he's got right now to prove that he trusts in the Lord with all of his heart, with everything that man's going through. So you see, how you respond to what you're going through affects others. When they see you go through it, it makes it speaks to them, I can too. When they see you still praising God, knowing what you're going through, they say, then I can too. When they see how you didn't give up considering what you were going through, they won't either. When they see you shake off one thing after another, never departing from your faith, they too desire that kind of faith. Faith speaks louder than words. Isn't that what we say? Action speaks louder than words. A picture's worth a thousand words. When you're living by faith and you're walking by faith and you're speaking by faith, they see Christ in you. Because they know you couldn't do this on your own without there being something in you that is driving you. They know you're hurt. They know you're scared. They know you're sick. You're tired and rightfully so. But they know you refuse to give up, and as a result, they see you live. And it gives you a chance to show them the one that lives inside of you. To prove because he lives, I can face tomorrow. That because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know who holds a future and life is worth the living just because he lives. Because he is your hope. Come on, somebody. Can I get a witness? I want to tell you something. Here's a good place to take a praise break. I need somebody stuck in a bad situation to stand up in this place tonight and start doing this, shaking that thing off. Would you stand with me and just start shaking that stuff off? Come on, shake it off. Shake that thing off. Come on, shake it off. God's got you. That thing ain't going to take you out. Shake that thing off. You've been through it too long, but you know what? God's got you. Come on, somebody. Come on, shake it off. Shake it off. I've come to tell you, this too shall pass. God wants everybody around you to see you shake it off. God wants everybody around you to see, though he slay you, you will trust him. Know this about faith. Faith doesn't prevent me from getting bit like Paul. Faith doesn't prevent me from being shipwrecked. Faith doesn't prevent me from being imprisoned for my faith. Faith doesn't stop me from going through anything, but it's faith that takes me through everything. It's what gives me hope in my hopeless times. Now, what I loved about the story, what Paul did by shaking that snake off is the people stood back to see what Paul was going to do next because that's what people do. 
They were shocked because they expected him to swell up. And can I tell you today, the world is watching the church and they're expecting us to fail. They're expecting you to give up when times get hard. They're expecting you to go back into the world. They're expecting you to fail again. They couldn't make it, so how can you? I'll tell you how, because you got something in you they ain't got. There's people who thought, I'll give them 30 days and they'll be back in jail. I'll give her two weeks, she'll be back with that joker. I'll give them a month and when they get out of rehab, they'll be right back on that dope. But look at you now, honey. You're in church, saved, sanctified, full of the Holy Ghost, worship him and praising God. You ain't going back. Yes, you got bit by the snake. But devil, you should have killed me while you had the chance because you got a problem now. Because when you bite me, I bite back. Because of Jesus, you can't cross the bloodline. I've gone too far to go back now. Come on. Because I got what they ain't got. Come on, somebody. I got hope. I got a friend that sticks closer than a brother. I've got a good, good father. Someone who'll never leave me nor forsake me. I got a new man who loves me. I got me a new song. His name is Jesus. He's a lover of my soul. You've taken me from the miry clay. You set my feet upon a rock. And now I know I love you. I need you. And I will worship you until the very end. Look at you now. Look what God has done. Somebody praise him come on look what God's done hallelujah hallelujah so here they stand waiting to see what's going to happen next verse 6 says they expect him to swell up or suddenly fall down dead people always expect the worst for you you know old saying with friends like that, who needs enemies? But after they looked at, had looked a long time, a long time, they had watched him for a while, how he's responding to his troubles. That's what people still do today. Just wait to see if what you're going through is going to kill you. Just to see if it's going to take you out. See if that thing's going to destroy you. Because they know what you're going through has the potential to destroy you they hear you're going through something they watch how you're going to respond are you going to fight or take flight but after they looked for a long time and saw no change in him that he didn't run away that he didn't die that he didn't blame anyone that he wasn't angry they changed their minds and now they said he was a god can you believe this just like folks one minute he's a murderer, the next minute he's God. One minute Hosanna, the next minute crucify him. That's what people do. And your response causes them to form an opinion of you. If every time something happens to you and you fall apart and you lose your faith and don't come back to church till it's over, not only affects their opinion of you, but of your faith. But every time you go through something and they see you shake it off and you stand strong it only affects their opinion of you, but of the God that you serve. 
When you shake it off, it causes them to believe by faith. Like you, if God can do it for you, he can do it for me. If no weapon formed against you doesn't prosper, neither will it prosper against me. If you can be like a tree planted by the water, so can I. And your tenacious faith produces faith in those who are watching you. You say you have faith, show it. It doesn't mean you won't hurt or cry about it or have bad days. It means though he slay me, I will trust him. Get this. This this all happens in Malta, a place he never intentionally meant to be. Have you ever ended up in a place in your life you never intended to be? Come on. We all have. At some point in our lives, been led astray and became stuck for a season. We've all been to a Malta season in our lives. And when you find yourself stuck in a season of your life of being somewhere you never wanted to be, circumstances led you there, Life in itself has a way of taking you there. How many of you can testify to that? To testifying, I never dreamed I would have. I wasn't trying to. It happened so quickly. Never thought I would become. I wasn't planning on doing it. Then you got stuck in a place in Malta. And when you end up in Malta, you got a choice to make. Like Paul did. You're either going to die in Malta or you're going to survive Malta. It wasn't Paul's decision to go to Malta, but he made a decision about what to do while he was there. And you got a decision to make what you're going to do while you're in the place you're in. He can just sit and wait for a day for an opportunity to someday get off the island, or he can do what he did in Jerusalem. After people watched him get bit by a viper and survive and didn't die, word spread throughout that island that Paul was a god. Well, it just so happened. The leading citizen of that island named Publius wanted to see him and meet this man who survived the snake bite. You see, a lot of opportunities in your life are there, are there are the byproducts of the adversity you go through. I gotta say that again. You see, a lot of opportunities in your life are the byproducts of the adversity you go through. If you could just get that right there, because of what Paul went through, he now has an opportunity in Malta. Could it be what he went through has a greater purpose? That this place he's actually in is actually a mission from God. I bet not too many people have that perspective when you're in Malta, that God had a plan all along, and when you thought it was all a plot to destroy you, you thought it was all about you. You never even considered what you were going through God was going to use to help someone else through you. And because of how you responded to your adversity, God can use it to help someone else. Watch how God moves. Paul was invited to the home of the leader because of how he stood up through his trial. Too many keep praying for opportunities, but you're not willing to stand up under your trials. How are you going to help someone else overcome if you've never overcome anything yourself? Never realizing that what you went through, it had to happen for you to get the opportunity you desired. Say it. It had to happen. Say it again. It had to happen. The adversity wasn't for the purpose of destroying you. It was for the purpose to strengthen you, to mature you, to prepare you for the opportunity that lies before you. Verse 7 says, there was an estate nearby that belonged to Publius, the chief official of the island. He welcomed us to his home and showed us generous hospitality for three days. 
I'm sure Paul and his gang thought, this is nice. But at one point, Paul becomes aware Publius has a problem. And Publius' problem is about to become Paul's opportunity. Publius' problem was, was according to verse 8, was his father was sick in bed with a fever and incendiary. When Paul finds out about it, he goes in to see his sick father. Now, the way I see it, and maybe I'm being too imaginative, but I've seen it like this. He notices that Publius continues going in and out of a room, and every time the door opens, he hears somebody moaning and groaning to the point that Paul inquires, who's that? And Publius says, it's my father. And Paul asks, what's wrong with him? He says he's very sick and there's nothing we can do for him. I can't help but think, maybe at this point, Paul finally realizes, now I know why I ended up here. There was a reason for all of my adversity. There was a reason that the storm came. There was a reason why the boat fell apart. There was a reason I got snake bit and lived. There was a reason I'm in Malta. It wasn't my ideal. It was God's ideal. And sometimes God has to use adversity to get us to go where we wouldn't go on our own, to do things we wouldn't do on our own, to move us. Paul realized without all that he went through, he would have never had this opportunity. I can almost see Paul smiling. Paul asked, may I see him? Publius, sure. And the Bible says when Paul went in, he prayed for him. And after he laid his hands on him and prayed for him, say it, it had to happen. I'll say it again. It had to happen. After he laid his hands on him and prayed, God healed him. It had to happen, which was a miracle all on its own. But what made it even more amazing to me was when I realized the same hand he laid on his father that the healing came through was the same hand three days ago had a snake attached to it. Don't you see what that implies? That what you went through didn't, that didn't kill you can now be used for God's glory. Hallelujah. Somebody needs to get that right there. Come on. Come on. Come on. That very same hand that he got bit on, that the thought would kill him, was the very same hand that God used to get glory. It wasn't meant to kill you, but to make you stronger, to prepare you for the opportunities that are before you. Somebody right now ought to start praising God for everything you've been through and everything you're going through because it's made you a better you. And I want you to know God's going to use everything you've been through that didn't kill you for his glory. <laughs> and people have been watching you have a much greater faith because of you. Seeing you go through what you're going through and you're still here, you're still worshiping, you're still praising God. I'm here to tell everyone, hope is in this place. Therefore, there is an opportunity for you to be healed, delivered, set free. You're not here by mistake. It could be even that your adversity got you here. Now you must decide while you're here, are you going to just reside? Or are you going to get up and get out of your seat? And come and see what God's got for you here tonight. Are you going to take advantage of this opportunity to be in the presence of God and get a revelation of who God is? Are you going to come and receive 
because hope is here tonight. You can't keep the snake from biting you. You just got to be willing to bite back. The same hand that the snake bit is the same hand that the healing came from. And because how Paul responded to his Malta, verse 9 says, after he healed his father, word went out. Now get this. The rest of those on the island who had diseases also came to Paul and were all healed. Publius' house turned into a church building overnight. Why? It had to happen. It doesn't matter what Paul went through. It had to happen. For this to happen, if you want to see the rest of your family healed, delivered, and saved, then it's going to be how you respond to your Malta season. So can it be for you too? Don't miss out on the opportunity you done suffered for. Looking around and see the purpose. I truly believe every affliction a Christian suffer has a greater purpose. And not for you than for those around you. The musicians, would you come? I know in my own life, my daddy's sickness and his suffering played a big part in me giving my life to the Lord. And as a result, I'm standing here today preaching the gospel to you. Why? It had to happen. I've been through some stuff. I've been to Malta, and so have you. But it had to happen. For this to happen tonight. Come on, somebody. When Paul was going through the storm, Paul said, we must run aground on some island. Paul thought he needed Malta, but it turns out Malta needed Paul. So it had to happen. And some of you have been through a lot of things, one thing after another. You don't like what you're going through. You're in Malta. I say, look for the opportunity. Paul wasn't worried about dying from the snake because God had given him a promise. He was going to Rome. That's what God told him. It's hard to make sense of what's going on in the world right now. We're going through so many things in our life. We're flooded with trials. And many of us have even begun to ask, why? God, why is this happening? Why am I going through this? Well, through this passage in Acts 27 to 28, Paul shows us what it looks like to move forward in moments where it doesn't make sense. God doesn't tell Paul a whole series of explanations of why he faced a shipwreck or was bitten by a snake. He doesn't give him a reason. You know what he gives him? A revelation. Since Paul had already received the revelation that God wanted him to go to Rome, he knew a shipwreck and a snake bite can't stop him. And we have to learn how to operate by revelation in our own life and find the opportunity God has waiting for you on the other side of the trial. So many people are looking for hope at what seems to be a hopeless time in their life. Well, I've come to declare to every single one, everyone listening, hope is is here. It's not in a place. It's not in a building. It's found in Jesus Christ. And his presence is in this place. Would you stand with me? Paul said, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust him. You have to learn to trust God. 
so that you may overflow, you, with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Tonight, I'm going to open these altars up for whatever you have need of, whatever you're going through, whatever you need hope in, whether it's your marriage, your health, need a healing, need God to turn a situation around, you're going through a tough time, there's things you don't understand, I want to tell you the God of hope is here. And I invite you to come to this altar tonight, every single one of you. Know that hope is here, and whatever you have need of, God is here to help you. Would you please come? As they begin to play and they begin to sing, I need some altar workers to come out and lay hands on these people. They have come to find hope. They've come to shake things off. They've come to let things go. And there's a God of hope and peace. As they come to these altars, can I get some altar workers, the staff, ministers, people come. There's hope. Keep coming. Keep coming. Go ahead, guys. You can go ahead and play and sing. Hope is here. Let hope arise in your heart tonight as we pray.